Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Perfect Attitude Podcast. I'm your host, Taron. Today, we have a Man United breakdown on the podcast. We've never really done a Man United episode on the podcast before, but you back me. I've got a really special guest from the Man United Football Twitter community on the podcast, but he's not just a Man United fan, he's a multicultural football fan. So, Elias, how are you doing today? Anything like to say to our audience? Ah, uh, thank you. That's a, that's a great intro, man. Thank you so much. But um, hey, guys, thank you for having me onto the channel. Uh, I'm super excited to to get into Manchester United and everything that we're going to talk about today. And yeah, let's get into it. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, it's great to have you on. And also, um, you're the obviously the owner of a whole lot of mid uh, a worldwide football YouTube channel, kind of like us. We're doing a worldwide football podcast. And yeah, I recently watched a Juventus video. I thought it was really insightful. It's really good. It's something you like to say about your channel. Maybe like to say a little bit about what's, what it's about, any content you have coming up, anything like to say to our audience? No doubt. no doubt. Thank you so much, first of all, for the, the praise on the Juventus <laughs> video. It took a lot of time. But um, yeah, you can see kinds of videos like that and everything really on the world of football uh, on my channel, whole lot of mid on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter, whole lot of Lies. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy your stay. Yeah, whole lot of fun. It's about to be this video. So yes, let's sir. just get straight into it. <laughs> uh, let's get straight onto the first topic. Let's not waste any time. I kind of wanted to discuss... Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, because I'm a huge Chelsea fan and I've seen Thomas Tuchel come in and it made me realise that even if you have the best group of players, you know, one of the best groups of players in the league, if you have a world-class manager in your team, then it just makes a whole difference in the mindset of the players, the way you play, the way you mm. kind of have that winning mentality. So, yeah, Elias, I just wanted to start talking to you about the topic is going to be, does Solskjaer, is Solskjaer the right man to win titles at Man United? Because this has been quite a big debate with a lot of Man United fans. I know you discussed this a little bit on the video that we feature on the other side of the coin, because he's not won a title at Man United yet. And this season, it doesn't really look like you're pushing for the Premier League title just yet. Obviously, Europa yeah. League does look very, very, quite likely, in my opinion, at the minute. And yeah, it's just the fact that can Solskjaer get past these last stages in the, in the season, like your Pep Guardiola, your Tuchel's, your, your other big managers. So yeah, I just wanted to ask you, do you think Solskjaer is the right man? Or do you think that you you maybe need to transition to a different manager to get the old Man United back? Yeah, well, just just to kind of start on how you open that up, I think that's a really important point, right? Like you said, it doesn't really matter if you have the best players. If you don't really have a manager that can galvanize those players and, and build a good structure around them and really get the best out of every one of those players, there's only so much you can do. And I, I like to, like when you said that, the first thing I thought of was actually the Chelsea teams of the late 2000s, right? After Jose yeah, Mourinho yeah. was fired and before Ancelotti was hired. And you kind of had a period there between Avram Grant, Scolari, and Goose Hiddink where you had a lot of really good players, right? But yeah. not a really great manager to kind of take over those players. Mm. And they were kind of stuck in between, yeah, they're top four uh, contenders all the time. They can maybe make runs and, and knock out competitions. But at the end of the day, you need a really top manager to get the best out of all those players. And you saw that the minute Ancelotti came in, Chelsea won the league. Yeah. And I can kind of bring that back to United because I think that's kind of where we are right now at the moment. And some United fans may agree, some United fans may disagree. But for me, the way I see Manchester United under Aldi is a team that for the most part, most part is always going to contend for top four. Uh, I think for the most part, they will make it just because of the quality of their team. And to be honest, the shakiness of the other sides around them and I think that's really where we've where we've come to of him and that's both to praise him and to criticize him because the fact is before he came into the club we were a team that was really struggling to find an identity we were sinking under Mourinho we needed someone to, to stable the ship and get some some stability back at the club and he's done an excellent job of doing that he's gotten a lot of deadwood out of the club he's brought in some good additions 
but also at the same time, it's just so many failures and, and big key moments where a manager really makes his name off of that has kind of left United at a point for me where it's like, where do you go from here? It's, it's really a, a key point in their development. Do you stick with Solskjaer, which we can go into, uh, or do you look for the next manager to, to kind of push them further into the development? Yeah, I think that, for my opinion, looking outside from an outside fan, I know that Solskjaer gets a lot of criticism from a lot of rival fans, a lot of fan bases. But the mm-hmm. way I see it is that Solskjaer is quite a new manager, as maybe he's, he's coached at Molde and Cardiff City, but not really at a top club. So I think that the way I see Solskjaer managing is that I think that he needs a bit more time, Man United. He's He's got a good group of players. He's had a good start at the club. And I think that he gets a lot of unneeded criticism, in my opinion. But that's just how I see it. And do you think that Solskjaer is, like I said before, do you think that he will take Man United to the top of football like Alex Ferguson? Or do you think that, you know, maybe you'll need to look at a different manager? Personally, I, I, I said after the Leeds game, not the Leeds game, the Leicester City game uh, this weekend, I said... I don't think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will ever win a relevant trophy as Manchester United manager. Like he, I think he will win the Europa League this year, just purely off the the strength of the teams he's competing against. But I just personally think I, I already said it a few months ago. We'll never win the league under him, and yeah, I think the fact is we, we will never win anything relevant under the guy. And that's not really to, to like I I try not to come off as this massive Ole hater because. At the end of the day, I want the best for Manchester United. And if that means Ali having success, then of course, like I would love for him to be successful here. But I, I just watch us too much and see too many flaws in our in our game and too many for all the progress that some fans may claim to see. I just don't think there's enough in the way we play over three years to justify or to to be able to to, to think that we could win major titles underneath this this manager. I think yeah. we've reached the point personally where we need a, a, a new voice, someone perhaps more uh, in tune with more modern day facets of the modern game, which is like being aggressive, being fast yeah. from the front, mm-hmm. possession, being a protagonist in games. I don't think we do enough of that. And it's been almost three years now under Aldi. So for me, I think at that point, like you've seen what Tuchel has done at Chelsea, right? In such a short amount of time, yeah, you guys yeah. are, are incredible at the counter press, great at, at keeping the ball, good defensively. That that was that's happened like a month. Mm. It's it's been almost three years under Aldi, and I, I still don't see that consistently enough to to really back the guy fully. Yeah, so under Tuchel, I've seen it's a really good point you made that our counter pressing has really improved, and under Solskjaer, he he is getting wins and he's grinding out really hard victories, but it does seem like it is counter-attacking football and when that's not working you know when teams are pinning you back and you can't really counter-check effectively it is going to come back to bite you in the long term but yeah let's kind of move on from that topic a little bit uh away from Solskjaer is he the right man to win titles let's talk about the Man United players now and I do feel again that Man United players do get a lot of unfair criticism like your Martial so I think is actually a really good player he just had a tough season Fernandez is a great player but a lot of fans have kind of said that you know this team always kind of is fighting for the smaller trophies. It's not really going into the the smaller games, which effectively can help you in the in the run. You need to be winning these smaller games that they can affect you and they don't go into the games with the right mindset. So yeah, he's never won a title United. I'm just trying to think, can this team win the Europa League this year? And can they go on to win the Premier League? So I'll start with you, Arvin. Do you think that the Man United team has kind of the right mindset to, to kind of fight for trophies? Or do you think that maybe a manager will change this whole thing? Um, for, 
Well, obviously, you know, when you're going on to win titles and stuff, you know, you have to have the whole team gelling and bonding, you know, coming in together, have that burning mentality of, yes, we want to win. We want to win the Premier League. And the thing is, I think Roy Keane's comments after the Sheffield game really summed it up for me. He said um, their mentality isn't to win the Premier League and compete for the Premier League title. It's to happily accept top four. And I think that just in a nutshell is, was Man United over the last two years. You know, it's... It's not. It's not really ideal to be honest, because Man United, when but before coming into that Sheffield game, they were top. They had a huge chance of you know consolidating on that top four place. You know they, uh, sorry, on the um, you know on the top of first place. You know they um, they won against Fulham, crucial wins. You know at, at the point they were actually doing really well. You know they were grinding out wins where they weren't necessarily playing well at times. So you know coming into that Sheffield game, they had you know the best opportunity to consolidate on that first place but they 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 flopped they lost 2-1 and that's just really Manchester United you know this season it's it's been like that for you know numerous seasons since Alex Ferguson left it's just that they haven't had the mentality I think the players that have come in they haven't had the mentality to really push for a Premier League title or even to push for a Champions League title yeah Ole Gunnar Solskjaer you know we've seen at the start you know he had a really good start then he dropped off a little bit after he had that really famous win against uh, PSG the players, players almost, apart from Bruno, I can't see anyone that, you know, when they're in that position, for example, from Sheffield, I can't really see anyone fighting, taking the taking the game to scruffle the neck. Obviously, you know, we've we seen Mar um, Martial Rashford, you know, do incredible things. But I think we mentioned it in the last uh, podcast, Rashford, when he's in those key situations, he doesn't he doesn't always step up, and you know when he's when he's needed at times, he doesn't always you know deliver. But that's some, that's something to talk about for another day. Regardless of that, you know, but they drew to Arsenal as well. You know, the game after, then they won nine 0 against Southampton, which I admit was a really impressive win. But then again, you know, they were three one up against Everton the next game. Then they flopped to three three, and you know if you really if you want to take this Manchester United to the next level as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, you know, I can see the whole project working well, but it's really on the key failures as well this season. You know, even in the summer, they they, they lost out on the signing of a potentially big player, you know, Jaden Sancho, and they're replacing him with Van der Beek, who has arguably not been, you know, used properly this season and looks to be a flop. Yeah, I think that, the Sheffield loss was probably one that I looked at and thought that if you do want to go and win titles, you can't go out and lose these games against 20th in the league. I do think Sheffield are a bit, you know, we saw in the Chelsea game at the weekend, they are a good side, but you can't be letting Oli Burke have that much room. You can't be getting that goal to Kieran Bryan from the corner. But yeah, I want to touch on this with Julius uh, very quickly about, I feel like Man United, when they got Harry Maguire into the club, I never agree with clubs bringing in another player, making them captain straight away. That's just me. I think that they need to be a player that's quite renowned to the club, uh, well respected by the players. You can't just bring any old player in. I know Maguire was a leader at Leicester and for England uh, at the World Cup. But do you think that Man United lack a real, you know, mentality monster leader in the middle, you know, like Sergio Ramos or like a big DM, someone like that in that category to kind of, you know, when the team's down, losing to Sheffield to go, come on boys, you know, we got this, we're a big side, we we need to get these wins. Do you think that they lack a leader or do you think it's more of a collective issue at Man United right now? Uh, it's, it's tough, right? Because when you say that guy who can kind of grab the game by a scruff of the neck, like 
that should be Bruno or that, that that's what we bought him for. Yeah. That, yeah. That's what he did several times last season. You look at players like Paul Pogba, right? That's, that's a world cup winner. Yeah. That's a guy who was a huge presence in that France team. Uh, I mean, you, you can, yeah, I, you can definitely argue there aren't enough of those players at the club. And when you look at old United teams, right? Like even old Chelsea teams, you had leaders in almost every single position, whether yeah, it's yeah. Chelsea with Balak, Terry, Lampard, SCN, Drogba, like so many leaders in that team. Yeah. United, you can go on for, for hours as well. So yeah, I, I definitely don't think there are enough natural born leaders in the team. But for me, I think when you look at the modern game, there aren't that many natural leaders in most teams. Like just, just look at the Chelsea team right now. Like how many players really are there that you just described? that really grabbed yeah. the game by the scruff of the neck. You it's can true, say yeah. Mount, you can say Silva. I just don't think there's those characters in the game anymore. The game is a lot more tactical, in my opinion, where you have to be able to nail on games. And if you don't nail on games, you have to be able to be good enough to identify what's happening in a game and change it uh, from the sidelines. So for me, like I just don't think there's enough of those uh, enough those facets in the United team. It's not so much for me about natural leaders. Yeah, I think that... It is interesting you said that about Chelsea because apart from Thiago Silva, I feel like it is a collective effort and the team just have a really strong bond together. You know, they believe that they, if they go one goal down, they will come back. So yeah, Chelsea do have Mason Mount, they have Silva. I'm trying to think of some other big key players in the team. Maybe Olivier Giroud or so on that, you know, uh, helps the team a lot in the situations. Also the yeah. goalkeeper, Edouard Mendy. I know that he is really vocal as well, the players. But with Bruno, I feel like you can't really rely when you're chasing for Premier League titles for trying to get back into the Champions League, trying to, you know, win the competition to Europa League. You need to have more than that, more than one player on the pitch. Because if Bruno isn't on his A game and, you know, he isn't playing well, he's getting frustrated. You need someone else behind him. Like, you know, United are linked with Sergio Ramos at the minute. I don't know how you feel about that, Elias. But if he was there in those clutch moments, you know, I've mentioned many times so far in this podcast, the Sheffield game, the Everton game, where you really needed that win. If he was kind of there to, you know, get the team gelled up, uh, get the team really up for the game then you could come back and yeah that's kind of how I feel about Man United but I do think that if you had a very vocal manager who really believed and was a world-class manager I didn't think this would be an issue but Solskjaer is new to the the Premier League how it works kind of three just three years in the job which you know Guardiola's had many years so that's kind of how I feel about that but let's kind of move straight on to a more light note of Man United now I think that from looking an outside note as a Chelsea fan I do think Man United are really disrespected the way they played the season. Even though they aren't playing amazing football and people think that they kind of get lucky at times, they're grinding out wins. They beat Southampton 9-0, they beat Leeds 6-2. They beat Man- they were the first team to beat Man City 2-0, Luke Shaw goal. I do think Man United have been much better this season, but it's just about what is down to the improvement of Man United because last season, Fernandes came in and there was a huge improvement, but I do think it's deeper than just having Fernandes for a whole season. Even though he has had 16 goals and 10 assists in the league, I do think the Man United have been more strong defensively this season. That's my opinion. Having Luke Shaw, a left-back who's really on form, has helped defend that left-hand side. I think Maguire does get a lot of stick. I know you're not the biggest fan of that Maguire and Lindelof partnership, uh, Elias, but what do you think it is down to the main factor of Man United's improvement this season? Uh, it's, it's a few things. I think, first and foremost, you can't ignore the fact that the teams that a lot of people had closer up to the Lexus City were Liverpool, who have had monstrous injuries that have completely derailed their season. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea, who a lot of te- a lot of people looked at before the season as title contenders because of the great signings they made. They have yeah. not gelled, and a new manager has them in the right direction, but this isn't the season they expected to have. Arsenal, I, thought, I think people uh, had way bigger hopes. Same with Spurs. 
And that's not to completely just discredit Ali and, and United and what they've done. But the fact is that there have been a lot of teams underperforming to get them where they need to be. Yeah. Secondly, I think you have to give credit to Ali for all the things that happened this season, such as the Maguire thing in Greece, uh, Pogba yeah. having coronavirus in the beginning of the season, coming back overweight, uh, even putting a transfer request at one point, uh, the injuries that have happened to the likes of Rashford, uh, the poor form of Martial and Cavani. So there, there have been a lot of tough parts of the season that to give all you massive amounts of credit, he has managed exceptionally well, right? A lot of other managers... Yeah may have made excuses, may have not been able to overcome those those derailments. And he, he has done an excellent job at, at keeping the squad s- stable and like making sure everything stays never too high, never too low. And I think that's the best attribute of Ali. Like he's a very calm, level-headed guy and things never get, they, they never get out of control with him. Even when we go on bad losing runs, they never usually last too long. Yeah, so I definitely in that, agree. in that case, yeah. that's why I would give him a lot of credit. And that's why for me, we are second in the league. Although I think it's a false position, uh, in a way, I think we aren't technically the second best team in the league. Um, at the same time, the league never lies, right? The, the yeah. team, like it's a 38 game season. It's extremely hard to fluke it. Right? It, it. You are where you deserve to be. I just think that we deserve to be there because of other outside factors that that have come into play. Yeah, I agree that, you know, even if you are not having a best season, if you are second place, as you said, the league doesn't lie. I feel like teams, when they are first in the league, they are really deserved of it. Teams that get yep. relegated, they usually are deserved, yep. deserved of it. Top four teams. So I think it's it's all credit to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I think that the way he's a level-headed guy, as you said, the way he's calmed down the players, Pogba coming back, and that transfer quest, you know, the key play, one of the key players in your squad, if he's sending in a transfer quest, it could have really detrimental effects on the team. Yep. But it's come back, and it's not been that bad. I think that Man United have been good this season. But for me as an outside fan, I do think that when I look at Man United, that this, this, the transfers haven't worked too well. And I, I like to mention Donny van der Beek in this equation a little bit, Edison Cavani. I do think that the improvements this season are down to more the players stepping up, like Luke Shaw, Bruno Fernandes, Rashford again. Yeah, Rashford's been a player that you can just pass the ball to, he's going to create something. What do you think about the transfers? Do you think that if van der Beek was on his game and Cavani was playing amazingly, do you think that it really would push Man United and make them more deserving of that second place position? I mean, maybe, but you have to also ask yourself, why did those transfers not work, right? For me, Cavani yeah. was a signing that... Cavani uh, asked to be released from PSG last January, right? That's yeah. that's over a year ago. And at the time, he was fully available and we chose to go for Odin Agallo. And whether you agree, Agallo, Cavani... The, the fact is, United could have had Cavani and they chose not to. So the fact mm. that they even got him in the first place was a panic buy because they didn't want him in the first place. And... For as illustrious a career in Europe Cavani has had, he's not the same player anymore. And we've seen that numerous times yeah. this season. Uh, he has some great attributes still at his age. Like his movement is second to none. But he's never been a great finisher. And I think he's struggled really to stay fit. Yeah. Donny van de Beek, for me, I saw a question on Twitter uh, directed to us. Can we like yeah. kind of touch on that subject? Donny van de Beek, for me, is a really talented player. But I think he's a very talented player that needs specific uh, borders for him to succeed in meaning the team really has to play a certain way for him to get into it. He's not like a Bruno Fernandes where you can slap into any team on the planet and he's going to do the same thing every single time. He's always going to create chances. Donny van de Beek is a player who relies a lot of on off-the-ball movement, uh, drifting into spaces between the defense and midfield. Uh, it, most of his best work really comes when he's not touching the ball. And 
to go from Bruno Fernandez to, to Donny Van de Beek, which is usually <laughs> the change that happens when yeah. United plays Van de Beek. You're going from Fernandez to, to Van de Beek. Van de Beek is the antithesis of Bruno Fernandez. They play completely differently. But the thing is, when he comes into the team, the style and the structure and the way we play is not altered to, 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 to fit Donny Van de Beek. It's still the same structure. Van de Beek has had to adapt to us. And whether that's right or wrong, you can question, should a 40 million pound player have to completely change his game to, to, to fit into a team? Or should the team that spent the money really want to get the best out of him? Yeah, that, That's really a question that you'd have to ask yourself. And for me, I've said numerous times, I don't think Donny Van de Beek will ever succeed with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as manager. Not even just to fully blame Ole, but I think it was just a terrible transfer that makes no sense when you consider both the manager and the player. Yeah, we'll touch on Van der Beek a little bit more in, in a bit of detail on that question that you mentioned. But yep. it's an amazing point that Fernandes and Van der Beek, as you said, they're antithesis. They're completely different players. Fernandes is someone who doesn't rely on his movement. He's someone that you just pass to, he'll create something. Yep. His goals and assists. Uh, I have seen Van der Beek in the Champions League many times coming up. I saw the goal uh, live from Stamford Bridge uh, against Chelsea. The goal where he yep. kind of drifted into space behind Zuma yep. scored. And yeah, I do think Van der Beek is a really talented player. It's just where does he fit in the system? I did yep. kind of touch on the point that, you know, you could get in the left inverted forward role. Maybe, you know, the way Rashford kind of, when Man United used to play last season, I used to play, they used to see them playing them little quick passes around the box that interchange the positions and having a shot. That's kind of how I saw Van der Beek kind of fit in him. But yeah, we'll touch on this a little bit more later on. But yeah, Van der Beek, Arvin, what do you think of Van der Beek? Do you think that, very quickly before we touch on a little bit more, do you think that, he was kind of a panic by signing, you know, they kind of failed the signing of Sancho and he was kind of the only player that was available that can play in many positions, a versatile player. Or do you think that he actually can have a career at Man United? Um, it's a really tough one to call this one because obviously, you know, when Manchester United saw the rumours of Jaden Sancho, you know, even I saw them, they were really hotting up towards um, the final point. You know, Fabrizio Romano, you know, with all those Instagram posts, he was he was hyping up quite a bit. But regardless of that, um, Van der Beek now, United don't play to total football. I think we can establish that. You know, United don't play total football. When he was at Ajax, you know, he had the Ziek and Neres next to him. And what they did was the movement between them and, and the Tadic, sorry, the movement between them was so good. And the thing is, even when Van der Beek signed for Manchester United, I didn't really see a place for the team for him because, I mean, you know, you had the likes of Rashid, Martial, Bruno playing on a consistent basis, but you wouldn't exactly put Van der Beek in that team to to build your team around you. And, you know, you, I think you've really got to do that. You know, What Ajax did is they... they played him into the system, you know, they gradually, because he, because he was there from young, he was there and he understood everything that the managers wanted him to do. Eric Ten Hag, you know, worked with him day and night continuously, you know, working on the system and stuff like that. So I think from Manchester United point of view, this was just really a signing to cover up for the failures of Jane Sancho 100% because, you know, the otherwise it wouldn't have made the fans happy. That's just my opinion, to be honest. And, you know, had Jaden Sancho come in, it would have been different. But regardless of that, Donny van der Beek, um, does he have a place in his team? I think he can still have a place in his team, but he's got to adapt quicker than he has, you know, over the past few recent months because the Premier League is a very high competitive league and it doesn't really give players the, ch the chance to settle in, you know, the amount of time that van der Beek has. You yeah, know, when yeah, you've yeah. seen Bruno come in, you know, he's hit, he hit the ground running. And that's what and that's what the fans want to see, you know. So, really, the Premier League is a damning place, and it really shows, it really exploits certain players that aren't fitted to that style in the Premier League. 
Yeah, it's, it's interesting you said about Bruno. We will touch on this a lot more in uh, in-depth detail in the, in the fan tweets round. But yeah, more about Man United's improvement. Let's not talk about you know Van der Beek. He struggled to fit in, and Enzo Cavani's had a tough form. I just want to give credit to Man United in the in the midfield areas. I think that there's a lot of stick on McTominay, Pogba, Fred, and Matic as you know former fielders are not good enough for a title-winning team. But I have seen Fred maybe one mistake against Leicester. I do think he's quite tenacious. He does seem like he plays for the badge, and probably Leas does agree with me. But I think that Fred is quite a good player, and he's improved a lot since that first season. Scott McTominay always turning up in them big games. Uh, Paul Pogba, obviously, when he is on his game, playing as that box to box number eight, he's a World Cup winner, he's a great player. So, Leas, I just want to touch on you very quickly about, do you think that these former fielders are, you know, rotating the team? Who do you think is the best two that could challenge for big trophies? And do you think that they are good enough as a one duo of any of these four that can win the league in the future no definitely not <laughs> i'll tell you i think i think the best two i think the best two are pogba and mctominay right you you said pogba mctominay fred and matic yeah 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 i think pogba uh, pogba and mctominay are, i think the best two i think matic really is showing <laughs> showing his age rapidly after every single game and this guy yeah. this guy cannot move he has no like lateral quickness whatsoever <laughs> and fred Fred, Fred is possibly my least favorite player on Manchester United, but <laughs> without really attacking him too much, I think those are the, the two best. I think McTominay still has flaws, right? I think he he's yeah. still not the greatest at, at really making himself available for, for getting the ball in buildup, which is very crucial for a defensive midfielder in the modern game. Yeah. And Pogba, I think, also definitely has his flaws, right? He's not a perfect player, but I think without a doubt, Manchester United has to, the Manchester United's best team has to feature Paul Pogba. There just yeah. isn't enough overall talent throughout the team to, to leave a player of that quality out and it's even worse when you see him shifted out wide for the likes of Fred McTominay for me that yeah. baffles me but I think personally right I don't expect this to happen because I just look at like our links and who we're, we're rumored to sign or who we're, we're after yeah I think defensive midfield right after right winger is the number one priority for this team I think right. okay when you look at all great teams in history a holding midfielder right in the middle of the park is so important and every big team ever has had one right yeah. you look at barcelona you have busquets you look at milan you have pirlo like you have to have someone in there who can dominate the first phase and i think even chelsea right they're really looking at that in their team they need a, a real holding midfield presence yeah. in there and that's why you guys were after declan rice for so long that's why chelsea fans are still i guess pessimistic about Jorginho in that position it's yeah. such an important position to nail on and for me, you even if you were to play McTominay and Pogba in a midfield two, I think you still need someone right behind them. Or maybe right. even Pogba and Bruno in a midfield three, you still need someone right behind them. Right, yeah. I Yeah, everything you said, I'm just kind of thinking about it a little bit because I do agree that, you know, Chelsea were after Declan Rice. And for me, the first thing that comes to my mind when you said that was Pierre-Emil Hoybier. He's coming straight into yep. Tottenham. He's a CDM who can play the ball really well. He can break yep. up play effectively. He can cover ground. He's very good at progressing the ball forwards, not just passing it sideways. And he's made a big impact to Spurs, I feel, this season. But yeah, in the modern day, you can have system players. Like When I think of system players, I think of Jorginho. He cannot play, in my opinion, unless it's Mauricio Sarri's system, where the sentiments are really close to the, the holding DM, like Loftus-Cheek, Kovacic. When it's an expansive system and Jorginho's in a lone six, he's not at his best. That's kind of how I feel about that. And I feel like you need to have a DM that can do everything that, as I mentioned before with Hoybier, he's really stepped up his game. And if Man United, we'll talk about transfers a little bit later on, if Man United can get a CDM, I know you are linked with Declan Rice as well, 
that could make a lot of difference to be that kind of Rodri-esque player behind two really creative players. Let's just use Foden, De Bruyne as an example, Gundogan. You know, for, imagine Pogba and Fernandes and Declan Rice breaking up the play. Yeah. That could really push United to bigger, bigger silver and bigger trophies. But yeah, let's move on straight on to the fan tweets round. Let's talk a little about these questions I've received on Twitter. Uh, tweeted for questions on my Twitter account. Elise also retweeted that. So yeah, let's go straight on to the questions. Uh, Elise, I'll try and answer as many questions as possible uh, with you. And we'll just kind of get your opinions on them. Take your time with the questions. And I'll get Armin's opinion on them as well. So the first question is from Cray CFC. He asks, do you see Man United winning the Europa League? And what gives them the edge on other teams? Okay. Uh, do I think Europe, uh, Manchester United will win the Europa League? They absolutely should. I think they're by far the, <laughs> the most talented team, not even to, to brag or to, to be... like. I just look at the other teams. Other than Arsenal, I don't really look at any of those guys as huge threats for United. Will they win it due to their, their previous failures? Uh, maybe not, but I, I think that this will be the one that they, they do get over the hump for. I think, yeah. again, they just have too much talent over the rest of the teams. Maybe Arsenal can give them a good game in a potential final. Arteta has had all these number in a few games, but I, I would favor United over almost any team in that competition. Yeah. yeah, and that's what you think gives them the edge, is that they have the squad depth, or do you think it's the fact that they have the most talent, like you said? Do you think that, you know, in the Europa League, it's not all about talent, it's about the teams that can grind out the wins, uh, that can maybe sit back in the first leg, then counter-attack, like we've seen in Villarreal and Roma do recently. But yeah, I do agree with you. Arvin, what do you think about this? Do you think that Man United are favourites to win it, or do you think that do you think that Arsenal or someone else are favourites? Oh, I think I think Man United already knocked out the biggest competitor in AC Milan. I, I can't see Arsenal winning it, to be honest. You know, Arsenal, they are the closest competitors, but, you know, United, too much quality, you know, they'll have, you know, that extra motor from last season's um, quite bad exit against Sevilla, you know, as 2-1. Regardless of that, yeah, I, I can't see anyone else arriving. Maybe Roma, you know, Mkhitaryan's been good this season, but I, I can't really see anything past United. I know Arsenal fans will probably, you know, have a go at me for this, but regardless <laughs> of that, I just, United just have too much quality for any team that's left in the competition. Yeah, I, I agree as well. I think Man United are favourites. If they go out, it'll be a huge shock. I thought Tottenham were also favourites before, but we won't go too much into what Tottenham, what happened to Tottenham last Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dynamo, Zagreb. But yeah, next question from Josh Forrester. He asks, what position do you think United will finish? Actually, no, it doesn't say that. Sorry. Uh, what position do you think United will strengthen? And if so, who? Uh, is this for me? Uh, that's for you as well, Elise, yeah. Uh, what position will do I think United will strengthen? I think Jaden yeah. Sancho will be made a priority just like last season, for yeah. sure. I, th- I think yeah. he'll really be the number one target on their wish list. I know there's been talks of Erling Haaland, of Harry Kane, but I just think Erling Haaland is destined for Manchester City. And if he is not, then I think Harry Kane is. So I think we're definitely playing second fiddle in that race. I personally think, like I said, I think United should sign a defensive midfielder over almost any position, but I Ooh. think <laughs> I, I definitely, I, I would love Declan Rice, like I said, but same man. Uh, yeah, I, I <laughs> definitely for you, Sam, but I, I think it'll be Jaden Sancho. And unfortunately, I think it'll be a center back. I think, Ollie really looks at that position and sees a need for strengthening. Yeah. And uh, I think I think they'll end up going for a Pau Torres or someone. Pau Torres. Oh, Jules, Jules Kunde has been linked as well, I believe, for 60 million. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to get into that one too much. I'm not a journalist. But I think that James Sancho <laughs> is probably the, uh, the favourite. I know his value has gone down this summer. He's maybe not had the best season at Dortmund. And I think that actually might have been... 
a smart move by Woodward, may I say, that instead of paying yeah. 100 million last year, it's now gone down to 50 or 40. Arvin, what are your opinions on this? Do you think that Man United will go for Sancho, Rice, couldn't they? Or do you think that there is another name on, on the list? I even think Harry Kane, personally, he could be linked to United this summer. But what's kind of your thoughts on this, Arvin? I don't see that the problem lies specifically within the attack. I feel like the attack, I mean, I know Manchester United have recently not been scoring as many goals in the Premier League, but regardless of that, you know, they're still grinding out results. But I don't think the problem lies so much within the attack. I think the defence side, Maguire for me, you know, he's, even though he's had his controversies, you know, the past few years as a United player, you know, he's still, he's been really solid this, this season. So I think I, I, I can leave him in there. But I think another centre-back, uh, like Leah said, definitely a priority for, um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I think he'll, he'll be looking at that and thinking, you know, if he needs a strong partner next to him or, you know, a fast player to make up for the lack of pace that maybe Maguire has and definitely a CDM. I just, Fred, you know, he had good form earlier on the season, you know, everyone was talking about how underrated he was, but he's not a player that you can take forward in the future and think, oh yeah, he's going to be world class or something. Same with McTominay, although McTominay is a little bit better and he has shown that goal-scoring form, but he's a number eight. So I think, yeah, a number six as a CDM, definitely a priority and a centre-back because I just I just think even in attack, you know, they still have Marcus Rashford, you know, Greenwood, Mar Martial, Bruno, uh, you know, if Van der Beek stays next season, he's still there. Cavani, if he stays next season, he's still there, you know, so... So much firepower up top, and even even Ahmad Diallo. I mean, he scored against AC Milan. You know, he's yeah. he's looking to be a really promising talent. So, yeah, I think I think up front there. So maybe a striker of some sort because they have a natural born goal scorer if if Cavani's injured. But regardless of that, you know, their attack is still very very good. So yeah, definitely a CDM and a centre back for me is a priority for United. Yeah, centre back definitely a position that United have to strength, uh, strengthen. Lindelof, Maguire, maybe, have been quite good, but I don't think they're necessarily the centre-back partnership that you take forward to try and win titles. But yeah, also, I do think the right-wing spot is a position that Man and I do have to strengthen. You can't have four players that, you know, aren't known to be that creative going forward. You can't need one creative winger like Sancho to drive at players. You have Rashford, who's yeah. an inverted forward. You have Martial, you have Fernandes, who likes to score, but I feel like you do need uh, a winger like that as well, but yeah, Liz, do you think that right wing is a, another spot that is really important for creativity, like a player that can drive and create? Or do you think that, you know, you have to go for a DM or, an, or a centre-back? I'm going to actually disagree with Arvind here. I think right wing, while you're right, we definitely have a lot of great attacking options. Having a presence on both wings is so important for the balance. And when you look at all the options you named, Rashford prefers, he kind of takes up positions on the left. Greenwood is more central. Uh, Martial always drifts in from the left. Cavani, right-footed, so he comes in from the left. You don't really have like a real right-wing presence right there. And then when you cu couple that with uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, right-back, who is far from a excellent going-forward <laughs> right-back himself, yeah. you yeah. really need a presence on there to kind of offset whatever you have going on on the left. And it's a position that United really hasn't had a good player in since, I don't know, Antonio Valencia which yeah. probably tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> I think you really need uh, someone like Jaden Sancho to offset a Marcus Rashford on the other wing. And also, I think Jaden Sancho, like you said, right, he can be that creative winger that United doesn't yeah. have and maybe allow Rashford to be more of an outlet on the other side. Yeah, I also did think for one stage that one matter could be that player, you know, that could be that player that can drop in the half spaces, create chances and play that you can pass to. But I do think Mata is a little bit past his prime 
Uh, I do think Man United shouldn't have signed Matt back then, but that's a completely different topic. <laughs> but yeah, the the next question is from MK Johnson. And this is kind of the question that we touched on quite a lot earlier in the podcast. But let's kind of break it down to a little bit more detail about what's kind of gone wrong for Van der Beek at Man United. We've said that his positioning, uh, maybe the way he doesn't really fit Man United's system at the minute. But I personally think that he could play as maybe a six in that system. He could be kind of a box-to-box kind of eight player with a DM like Matic next to him. So, Lewis, first of all, I want to ask you, do you think he can play in that six role? Do I think he can play in the six role? Mm, I don't know, man. It's tough. I, I know he played in those kinds of areas for Ajax. Yeah. And when we signed him at first, I was actually really hopeful that he could play in more of an eight role, like in more yeah. of a, uh, uh, one of the eights in a 4-3-3. And he has played there a few times for us this season, most notably in Europe. And... He gets on the ball. He he definitely gets more involved than he does at the 10, but also he yeah. has weaknesses in those areas too. He's not great defensively. When he gets on the ball, he's not someone who's going to really impact the game going forward, right? Like he's more of a guy who's going to get on the ball and keep it moving, which is great, right? Like if you need ball retention, Vandebic is your guy. But again, like I said, I think it all comes down to the way we play, which not even to, to, to gas up the way we play. Like it has its flaws. It has its strengths. And I don't think Vandebic really fits into any real role in this team. I think truly if any, if, if Van de Beek is to succeed at United, either Solskjaer has to go or Van de Beek has to reinvent his game completely. Yeah. I don't think Van de Beek, unless he's with Solskjaer, you know, working every day, I don't feel like he's going to completely re- reinvent his game, but it is sad. I really wanted Van de Beek to work at, I mean, United. Hakim Ziyech can start to come into his form a little bit more at Chelsea right now. Mm. So maybe Van de Beek has a bit of good form, scores a few crucial goals here in the, in the PL then he will come good because he looks like a really nice guy. Like I know that's not relevant to his, to his ability, but <laughs> nah, he yeah, he looks like a nice guy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He just seems like he just has a nice face. You got what I mean? He just looks like he'd yeah, be, yeah. You could, you, he could trust your drink at a party or something. But yeah, yeah. I, do, yeah I, I do kind of I like Van der Beek. He's, he seems nice. But yeah, for me, it's just the fact that when Bruno came in, he changed Man United's whole team's leadership. Um, his ability on the ball, his the way he carried teams, uh, the Man United teams in games. And Man United fans kind of have that I say that expectations of Van der Beek to come in and do that, which isn't really fair on him. He's a complete different player with with different with a different mindset, different abilities. So yeah, Arvin, your opinions on Van der Beek a little bit more. Let's let's kind of break this down. What's going on for Van der Beek? Do you think that is the the Bruno factor that I just mentioned, or do you think that he needs a little bit more time to settle into the intensity of the Premier League? First of all, I do write your joke about the drink. But, yeah, um, yeah, I think you will, bro. I, I trust him. <laughs> uh, but regardless, of that um, no. Uh, obviously, it's part of how United. I think it's a mixture of everything. To be honest, I think you know when you're coming to the Premier League, especially with the fans as well. You know, I, I think the fans. You know, they they don't really have that much of a patience. I'm not. I'm not talking about this. Don't worry. Uh, some <laughs> some fans actually. Some fans actually don't have that much patience with a lot of players. You know. But regardless of that, um, yeah, the Premier League, as I said, can be really damning, you know, for exposing, you know, when you haven't settled, settled into a club properly. I feel like, you know, for him especially, coming into a Premier League and coming to the way Manchester United played, the way, you know, fast football, counter-attack, it's, it's completely different to total football at Ajax. It's completely different. And I can I can see where he's struggling for me because, you know, he's not... Manchester United don't play possession football. Now, 
it's hard for him because he he likes to drift in between the lines. He likes to get onto a ball. But when when you're really when you're in that Manchester United side, you have to be you know quick with your possession and stuff. Whereas at Ajax, you know Van der Beek had so much more time on the ball because of the space that Ziyech and Neres were creating for him, or you know even Tadic and stuff. So you know he had the space to you know just float around. You know the same the same sort of concept isn't really at Manchester United, although. You know, if Jaden Sancho doesn't work out in the summer, you know that right wing spot is vacant, and you know he did he did actually play in a like a in a like a right attacking midfield spot for Ajax. You know, with Ziyech in the middle, you know, drifting, and then Neres on the left. So you know it, it could work out, but you know, Manchester United aren't going to change their system just because of him. You know, it, it sounds bad to say, but it, it's not going to happen. So Van der Beek. The only way he can get into the side is by drastically changing his game, which I think he won't do because we all know him for his, you know, for his uh, spatial movements, you know, get drifting in between the lines and then, you know, picking out really good goal-scoring positions. Yeah, with Van der Beek, I do feel like as well, like you said, when he's coming to the team, he doesn't really suit the system of Man United. And when he comes in, he needs to take his chances. When you compete against Bruno Fernandes, Rashford, I do think the right wing spot is more of a competition with Greenwood. Dan James has come in and performed quite well recently. I don't think he's playing much anymore. But when Van der Beek comes in, he needs to do more in the games. I saw, I saw him in the in the FA Cup. I've seen him in the, in the Europa League. I don't feel like he's influencing games as he should. And when you're playing, the main thing you can do on the pitch is show the manager that you should come in. You know, you can play... As well as you want in training, you can be the best trainer in the world. But like Eden Hazard, for example, he wasn't the best trainer. But when it came to them big moments in the game, he turned up. And I feel like Van der Beek needs to kind of prove to Solskjaer that wherever he's playing, he can be flexible. He's known for his tactical and his and his positional versatility. So he needs to play better in, in, the, in the chance he's getting. And like I said, and I'm sure Elias will agree with me, that he could have a good run of form later on in, in the season, like Hakim Ziyech. I don't think this is going to be Van der Beek's season ended. I do feel like if he does have a few more games and if he does end the season on this bad of form, it'll be a huge shock. He's he's a very good player. He's played in the high set with the Champions League semi-finals. He's played for for Netherlands a lot. So yeah, I do think that Van der Beek could be could have a good run of form. But yeah, that's kind of the fans' question round ended. Let's kind of move on a little bit to the predictions for the for the end of the season, Man United. And Lewis has kind of touched on the, on the fact that. Man United are favourites to win the Europa League, so is Arvind. And for the Premier League, I do feel like they are quite comfortable in second place. And yeah, that, that's kind of how I feel about Man United. But yeah, Lewis, what kind of your predictions for the end of the season? What would you be happy with for a finish for Man United? Uh, in January, right, when we were first in the league, I actually I made a video and I said, I don't expect us to win the league. What I hope and what I expect from Manchester United to to give me the impression that we're making really good progress in terms of results is if we finish within 10 points of first place, meaning that we had gone the distance with first place throughout the season, which I think is really invaluable in terms of giving players a winning mentality and and showing them what they need to compete. Yeah. And I also said, I want Ali and the the team to win a trophy and kind of break this mental duck that they seem to be having in, in, in big games this season. Yeah. Uh, the first one doesn't look like it's going to happen unless City kind of <laughs> take their foot off the gas and, and we finish 10 points within. I don't think that's going to happen. We're out of the FA Cup. We're out of the Capital One or the Carabao Cup now it's called. Uh, <laughs> and it's really Europa League. And Europa League will be nice to win for Ollie, right? Because it's going to be his first trophy. Uh, give him a good confidence boost. Maybe it'll get some pundits off his back. Yeah. Uh, I think it'll be, again, big for the players because 
like you like we've said throughout this episode right they they need to to, to know what it takes to win they need to gain yeah. a, a yeah. hunger a winning mentality and sometimes honestly failure is the best way to learn how to win but nothing nothing beats winning yeah so in that way it'll be good to win the Europa League but at the same time you can only really celebrate a competition like that so much even more so when in the beginning of the season that was never a an objective for Ali right winning the Europa yeah. League was never an objective because we weren't in the competition so you can only really celebrate that kind of trophy so much but you really can only take what you have at this point in the season so I guess coming second winning Europa League is is the best we can do and uh, you'd have to say that's the bare expect the bare minimum at this point. Yeah, I've got to say, Elias, very quickly that probably one of the best feelings is being Arsenal in the Europa League final. I've got to tell you that even if you don't fancy the Europa League as a huge <laughs> trophy, that's probably one of the nicest feelings. You know, I, I remember watching that at the pub and like, oh, the feeling at full time. You know, I can message all them Arsenal fans in the group chat and just say, <laughs> feel it felt so good. That that would be a good end to the season, and that would make it more exciting. <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be, be even be... better if Unai Emery beats them though. <laughs> imagine the scenes good evening man good evening but <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's really good the Europa League I do think it's a bit of an underrated season a bit of an underrated trophy it is still a European trophy at the end of the day it is still a European trophy it can get you instant qualification to the Champions League so true yeah yeah that's that's really interesting that you said that yeah you are kind of aiming for 10 points in uh in the space of Man City that's that'll, that'll be a good season how good City have been this season the progress that have come from last season it'll be It'll be a very good progress for Man United. But Arvin, I kind of want to get your predictions for the rest of the season for Man United. Do you think that second place is, is good and good enough building blocks to kind of platform Man United for next season? Or do you think that it'll be a kind of unsatisfactory that it's only a Europa League win and it's not, you know, semi-finals of the Champions League? I mean, I'd have much preferred be predicted Manchester United to come, you know, in the quarter-final or the semi-final of the Champions League, especially, you know, coming off the back of those two wins, those two first wins in the group stage, you know, 2-1 um, away against Paris and then 5-0 against Leipzig at home. So, um, but yeah, you know, we're in this position. Uh, United, um, Europe League will definitely be a target for Oli, you know, to break that semi-final hoodoo that everyone keeps going on about. Um, and then the Premier League, it would be satisfactory as long as they stay, you know, as long as they can try to get closer to City because then then they know, okay, you know, then they can sort of, I think they can start to understand the level that they need to be at to start winning titles. I think this can be crucial from now on, for, you know, even mentally wise to, you know, to really get the feeling of, this is this is the level that we need to be at to even start competing to even start with thinking about Premier League yeah, titles. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think it's I think it's yeah yeah do you get what I'm saying. So yeah. I think um, I think that's crucial for Oli. I think also winning the Europa League. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things that he's got to do to sort out the season. You know, for the next season as well because you don't want to see you know United crash out of the group stage like ever again. In the next season, Champions League looks to be confirmed. You know, hopefully. You know, we can see Manchester United in the Champions League going through in the group stages. And uh, yeah, I'll be expecting CA of Bayern versus United Super Cup next season. <laughs> I, think, I, I love think, that, mean, man. It, it means City didn't win, so I'll be okay with that. Yeah. I think you got it wrong there, guys. I think it'll be Chelsea versus Man United Super Cup. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could get to the final. But yeah, anyways, guys, uh, let's kind of wrap this up. Uh, it's been a really interesting podcast delving deep into Man United uh, how good they've been this season how they kind of improve but also what can be improved to kind of take Solskjaer and United to that kind of elite level team but yeah I'll kind of do an outro now Arvin how have you enjoyed the podcast and anything you'd like to plug to our audience 
Yeah, so again, you know, but I, I love to be on the podcast. You know, f- f- talking football is one of my favourite things. You know, Manchester United, a bit of a different episode today. You know, we've never really spoken about Manchester United in depth. But, you know, it's been, it's been good to, uh, discussing, obviously, with Diaz. He's a United expert, also a United fan. So, yeah, it, it's been really good. And obviously a huge pleasure for us to have you, Diaz, on today. You know, brilliant guy. I appreciate yeah. it, man. Thank you so much, man. I'll just kind of echo that a little bit more. Uh, Leah, so I'll kind of end things on you. I really wish the best for your YouTube channel a whole lot of mids. Everyone subscribe to that right now. It's a really insightful, a really in-depth, detailed channel. Uh, you'll find great football content. Obviously, the new video on Juventus was a really professional, really amazing video. And you do a lot of different content as well in there. But yeah, Elias, anything you'd like to say uh, at the end of the podcast to our listeners? Anything you like to plug? It's your time now. Yeah, man, I should come on here more often. You guys, you guys big me up well. <laughs> no, but thank thank you guys for having me onto the podcast. Like I said, I was super excited to come on to begin with. Uh, it's been it's been good fun, and you guys definitely know what you're talking about. Uh, I wish Chelsea all the, as as much luck as they can have the season at without being at the expense of United. And uh, yeah, good luck as well for the podcast, guys. I hope it continues to grow. And thank you again for having me on. Thank you so much. We appreciate it so much, Leo. So we'll definitely have you on again. Potentially a top four kind of battle with a Tottenham fan, something coming up in the future. But yeah, we'll keep you updated yeah, on that. We'll keep everything soon. You up for that, Leos? Yeah, absolutely, man. I think, cool, I think Spurs cool. are already out of the top four race. Yeah. But... <laughs> Never know. Three, three. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll kind of wrap that up, guys. Um, that's the end of the podcast. Make sure you check me out on Twitter. All the guys' details will be in the Spotify description, Apple description, whatever platform you're listening to. But yeah, have a good day. Make sure to keep things perfect. I'll see you soon.